Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. I believe this is, I think maybe the 47th episode we'll go with, the Tory Krug episode of uh, the Pucks with Hags <laughs> podcast. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Joe Haggerty. You can find my uh, work at joehaggerty.substack.com. Join uh, with a premium membership to get all Bruins and NHL content sent directly to your inbox via email. I also cover the Bruins for Boston Sports Journal, so you can go to bostonsportsjournal.com. Check out my columns uh, after every single for the game for the Bruins, and I also do a a, a reader chat, a subscriber chat with them once a week as well. Uh, with me on the podcast today are friends and colleagues Mark Diver from the New England Hockey Journal and a longtime friend and colleague also Mick Collagio. Mick, please plug away and tell them where they can find your work. Uh, my rink rap blog uh, is now independent at rinkrapmc.com. I link to it on X Twitter. And you can also read me here on weekend columns and bostonhockey.now. Uh, Boston, bostonhockey.com. You'd think <laughs> I would know this by now. And um, I'm also in the uh, hockey news with the seasonal issues. That is an excellent pitch right there, Mick. All right, let's thank our sponsors as well. Uh, FanDuel Sportsbook, $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Uh, fan, visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to kick off the NFL season, or NHL season, NBA season, NFL season. Everything is going right now. Um, also, Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Delicious meals ready in two minutes. If you're busy and on the go like I am, head to FactorMeals.com slash Hags50 and use code Hags50 to get 50% off your first box. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, the Bruins lost three in a row. They had allowed 17 goals in those in that three-game losing streak. Um, they looked pretty bad in the three-game losing streak, but uh, they've come back and won three in a row. They got a get-right game against San Jose that they won three to nothing, and then a couple of uh, solid wins over the weekend. Uh, Mark, just your take on, because uh, I haven't talked to you about it yet, your take on the losing streak and now what we've seen in the last three games and sort of what to make all of, of all of that when you're looking at it. Well, my takeaway from the losing streak was that the goaltending, which had been off the charts uh, before that, all of a sudden wasn't quite as good. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't quite as good as it had been. And that that's the difference. And that's, uh, or that was the difference. They weren't, uh, they weren't paying attention to the details. Uh, and, you know, when the goaltending slipped a little bit, then, then they lost those games and they, frankly, they looked bad at times doing it. Uh, but, they got it back together here for a couple of games and we'll see uh, going forward if they can sustain that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely also like, I agree with you. I think the, the, I think the schedule too also kind of caught up to them in that stretch. There's no question about that. They weren't able to practice for a long period of time. Uh, maybe that contributed to some of the slippage that we saw in the details. In addition to, you know, they played three games in four days around, around uh, Thanksgiving. They had two matinees coming uh, off of Thanksgiving uh, you could see the slippage in their game coming into that stretch because they were in the middle of like nine games in 16 or 17 days or whatever, whatever it was. There was a very, you know, busy stretch that I think caught up to them. And I think the goaltenders were a little tired too, definitely. Yeah. And I think that factored into, uh, into the way that they played. Um, Mick, your thoughts on uh, the three game uh, winning streak that they're riding the games over the weekend and, and how they've been able to bounce back uh, from the three game losing streak. They're playing um, a lot better without the puck hockey now than they were 
before the losing streak started. Yeah. And it was starting to catch up to their game. And to their credit, as a team, uh, we all thought, well, boy, you know, the culture will be intact, but they're probably not going to be good enough to win very much other than just get into the playoffs. This team has had an amazing record to been able to win despite playing poorly, right? So here we are on the other side of that disastrous three-game stretch, which was really, as Mark pointed out, worse than it than the than the results looked prior to, and uh, especially in the recent games prior to, uh, they built up to it and then the bottom fell out. Uh, so now that now it's a uh, they're checking hard. They're, they're much better all over the ice. The 200 foot game for every player has been we've been just a lot better. Just ratcheting up that intensity um, and playing more physical. And for the Bruins, that unfortunately the ceiling on playing more physical uh, generally uh, just relates to checking hard. And um, and you know you can argue it, it means that for any good team, but in their case. Uh, I wish there was another dimension beyond that, but there isn't right now. Uh, but certain guys are trying to do it. Um, you know, uh, Lauko is stirs, still stirs it up. Nice to see the cage off of him, and he's playing with with that reckless abandon again. Yeah, definitely. And and look, the Bruins are a team that are going to have to check uh, hard. They're going to have to play 200 feet. They're going to have to uh, uh, watch the details and pay close attention to them because they're just not – able to separate and pull away from teams uh, offensively to the point where they can play looser with the puck or, you know, uh, decide at times they're not going to play, uh, pay attention to that part of the game. They're just not that team. You know, they're going to win with defense and goaltending and effort and energy. And it, it's not going to be them overwhelming teams with their depth and their offense uh, like it was before. So when that starts to go away, whether it's the goalies slipping, whether it's the schedule catching up to them, the legs aren't and aren't there, and and you could also see mental mistakes too. That's always my giveaway in that losing streak was you start you start to see some strange uh, mental mistakes and miscues during games where you're like that normally doesn't isn't what you see a player do in that situation, and that's when you kind of I thought anyway you knew the schedule was sort of you know uh, working against them like that Pavel Zaka play where he breaks his stick and he goes all the way to the end of the bench, long change in the second period to try to get another stick and leaves his team uh, shorthanded and, uh, and it turns into a puck in the back of the net. That's just like a, for my money, a simple mental mistake that a player makes when he's tired and he's not really thinking, you know, about what he's doing on the ice or his, his mind isn't processing like it normally does. There but, might be a Roman Hammerlick in game four at New York in 2013 when when the fourth line of the Bruins was was pouring it on the Rangers in overtime, um, and and uh, and Hammerlick was just so gassed that in the in the middle of the whole cycle he just starts plotting a diagonal line for the Ranger bench, like waving the white flag. And I'm thinking, this is it. They're getting their changes. Here comes Krejci, and 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 next thing you know, uh, you figure the Bruins are going to end the series right there. But one funny bounce off the boards, and it went the other way. I felt bad. I felt bad for Ronan Hammerlick in that series because Lucic just beat the bejesus out of him, hammering him in the corner on the four check. And I think he, I think he was no moss from him at that point too in in that series. No, no question about it. Um, but uh, getting back to the to the weekend and what we saw out of the team, 
Uh, one of the big takes I had was, and I wrote about this, was uh, Brad Marchand. I thought I felt like this stretch over the last couple of weeks was, you know, him really becoming the captain of this team and becoming the leader of this team, not only leading them through the losing streak uh, and making sure that, you know, everybody stayed on the same page when things can start to stray a little bit when the team isn't playing well, and then coming right into the weekend where he kind of threw the team on his shoulders with some great plays in both of those games uh, that they won uh, over the weekend, whether it was, you know, jumping Nylander in overtime where William Nylander, I don't think ever expected Marchand to be in his face in that moment. And he kind of panicked, blew a tire and lost the puck and it turned into the game winning goal that he scored uh, after Pasternak went down or taken over in the third period of that game against Columbus and, and getting the natural hat trick. Just, you know, at 35 years old, Mark, how impressed are you with what we continue to see out of Brad Marchand stepping up in big moments. And it kind of reminded me, to be honest with you, of when Bergeron was the captain and you needed a big game from the team or something for them to rally around. He inevitably always stepped up and provided that as the leader uh, and the sort of, uh, you know, focal point of that team. Marchand, I thought, did the same thing over the weekend. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, he uh, he really has a, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if grown grown into it is the right uh, way to to term it, but you can see that uh, it's his uh, it's his role now, and he's he's ready for it. Uh, you know, you see, you kind of detected, or at least I did, thought I detected a little bit of uh, you know maybe questioning when when he's 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 not out there with. Uh, with Bergeron and, and Pasta now, he's out there with different line mates. And the body language a little bit, you know, kind of says that, you know, this is uncharted territory for him. What's going to mm -hmm. happen? Is he still going to be able to maintain his level of production? And, uh, but no frustration with it, uh, at, which we've seen in the past out of him, uh, not recently, but, you know, he's kept it, uh, he's kept it in check, his emotions in check. And, uh, really coming up big this weekend was was really a special uh thing for him i think and and you know given the fact that he had a death in the family on top of it really yep. uh really was something to see his his performance what'd you think of the natural hat trick there mick that was pretty impressive he's a very emotional player so he is. you match it up with real life and you and and the intensity of what went on with the losing streak and he probably feels a lot more culpable as the captain during yep. that period of time. And that for him was probably a bit of a crisis. And that's probably why the only blip on the screen as far as him showing good self-control came up during that, during that stretch. And so uh, my legacy from the past week was, is we got consecutive generational player nights from Pasternak in Toronto. And then, and, and Marshan obviously made the great play to, to intercept an uh, overtime uh, and, and, and create and then finish that game. Uh, and then the Columbus, he just completely took over and shot the puck like I haven't seen him shoot it in a long time. Yep. Uh, just a low, that first one, that low shot that just was like a freaking laser. That was amazing. And you could just tell it, he meant it and it wasn't over and he kept coming and, and it was great to see. And, and so it, it was really fun there's so many dimensions to this whole thing where uh, on one hand you get all these these players that are who's left 
Well, you got Pasternak, you got Marshan. Those are the first two names that come out of anybody's mouth. And then you get to think about the third guy. And, you know, as far as who's the offensive power on this team. And we got consecutive games in which they both stepped up in, in, in a ways that really were uh, career peak things. And for Marshan to do it at his age is, is just uh, incredible. Now, can, can't expect this kind of thing. Like you're saying, Joe, you can't expect this every night. No. going forward well, and and and, and as good as and, and, and as good as the guys that can do that and as good as they were uh and especially marshan over the weekend that's how bad they were during the losing streak too like let's be honest you know like marshan and Pasternak and zaka together were dreadful uh in two of those three games that they lost and you know yeah. i think that was definitely part of the equation too is maybe sort of answering that because you did mark to your point you did start to hear some questioning of like, you know, it, it, you know, what's going on with Marsh and, you know, he looked uh, a little slow and, and certainly a little behind the play and not like himself uh, during that losing streak. And I, again, I think it's a 35 year old guy that's in the middle of a yeah. very difficult stretch like that. There's going to be nights where he's going to look like that during the course uh, of the NHL season, especially when he's trying to get used to playing with new players um that he's not uh you know he's not doesn't have the same center next to him that he's had for the last decade plus so you know all that stuff's going to play into it but I, I thought it was just a really great answer from him over the weekend uh an opportunity for him to step up and lead that team and show that he is absolutely unquestionably the leader and the captain of that team and sort of the emotional focal point of that team and I think he did all of those things uh and it was great to see because I thought it was a big answer coming out of a stretch where he'd struggled a little bit. And and to both of your points, like the fact that he sort of opened up after the game against Columbus and talked about how important it was to him and how emotional it was to him, uh, that winner in Toronto and that game in Toronto with all of his family watching up in Nova Scotia, um, you know, uh, when they were at the services for his grandmother, I think that was, you know, that added a layer to it as well of uh, him really rising to the occasion and wanting to do something special for her and for his family. And it was, it was great to hear that and see that. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel. You know, it's America's number one sports book right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Look, if you're not good at math, you, you even, you know, that's a good deal. I mean, I'm not good at math and I, I know that's a good deal. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off your NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, here we go, folks. Now pay attention to this. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234 question about the Bruins and I'm I haven't written about this yet I'm probably going to write about it this weekend but sort of poking around the numbers uh and I asked Monty about it yesterday 
the Bruins lead the NHL in game in goals allowed uh, late game situations with the other team's goalie pulled. Uh, they've allowed six goals um, with the the goalie pulled on the other side. They have not had a lot of empty net goals. Their like uh, success ratio in those situations is really not good. Um, that's obviously going to be something that's going to come back to bite them uh, later on in the year in important games and in the playoffs. Uh, and, you know, uh, to Montgomery's point, he mentioned that they've, uh, by far, they lead the league in minutes played uh, in six-on-five situations with the goalie pulled on the other side. And I think it speaks to how they're constantly playing in one-goal games in the third period. You know, they can't pull away from teams, so there's very tight games that they play in. So they've been in more situations where that could that has happened. So that plays a little bit into uh, them allowing the most goals with the other team's goalie pulled. But, like, I think it's definitely an issue. Uh, you know, you can see them getting pushed around in the D zone and things getting a little chaotic around their net when another team is really pushing at them hard at the end of games. And a bunch of times, more than a handful, they've been able to tie it up. It happened again against Toronto before they uh, – they want it in overtime. So just my thoughts, Mick, uh, what do you see as the issue there? What do you think can be addressed? And how much of a problem do you see this being? Do you see this being, you know, just a weak point that the Bruins are going to have to overcome? Or is this potentially a, a, an issue for them? Well, even if even if the goals against don't come in the direct result of a lost D zone faceoff, I think that there's a cumulative effect to not being able to win D zone draws. For sure. And, and even if the puck does go out of the zone and come back in, you're playing. I played, I played some very, very, very serious beer league hockey in my day. <laughs> no, down at Adelaide Arena at Mount St. Charles in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, they had very a short neutral zone. And we had to play, I'm I'm like half serious with this, but it was just kind of to actually play the game a little bit sort of brings it home. You're a, I'm a defenseman on a team. I'm the oldest guy on the team. And these guys who we were playing that night played in that rink all the time. And they knew how to play that rink. They right. did what the Bruins used to do. They kept dumping the puck. In, and every time you get to turn around and go back and get it, you're playing the whole game to retrieve under pressure. And, and these guys are coming at you from three angles and you're trying to move it without turning it over. And, and, and that's the number one thing any pro scout ever talks about any defenseman is, is uh, the retrieval and a good first pass. Right, Mark? And, and, uh, and so um, I think that that kind of pressure on a team, and this is what happens to you if you're not winning face-offs. So I think that the fact that this is no longer a categorically good face-off team, I think that is what I think is sort of a, a contributing factor here even if those are not direct results all the time, I think there's a cumulative effect uh, that they need to either get better internally or go get somebody. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, you know, Monty spoke to that a little bit yesterday talking, he talked a lot more about the forwards and sort of putting players in different situations now uh, than they've been accustomed to in the past at the end of games, because obviously for the longest time, the last minute of a game, Patrice Bergeron was going to be out there taking face-offs and be one of the forwards on the ice. And David Krejci would be out there all the time too. And, uh, you know, now they're forced to have different players in those situations. But I, you know, I also think it speaks a little bit um, in my mind to the defenseman in front of the net. 
and them not being able to just, you know, hold back what's happening around them and sort of getting pushed around a little bit. I mean, I think it was the Toronto game. There were like three guys down on the ice all over the place at the end of the game uh, when Austin Matthews scored that goal. It was just like Bruins diving and falling and and not even, you know, in position to block shots or, or front Austin Matthews because they were just losing ba- battles and getting pushed around. And I, and in my mind, that's something that plays into this as well. And I think it's a valid point where you're saying about the faceoffs. And I think that is absolutely uh, a part of it. Mark, your, your thoughts on uh, what, anything that you've seen as far as these situations go and, and observations with the team, as far as stuff that they need to address. Well, in terms of the blowing the leads at the end, I mean, in, in my uh, many decades of watching this team, I don't recall a situation like this where they were in a rut and, and they consistently give up goals at the end to, to tie the game. I, I, yep. I don't can't recall that ever being an issue. Maybe it has been, but, uh, but I can't uh, remember it. And I wonder if, you know, is it just a, is, is a, is it a mindset thing also that the urgency just clear the puck loft it, airmail it, yeah. Don't be looking for the empty net. Just get icing it is not a bad it. play. And if it's icing, then okay, it's icing. Win the draw and and reset and win the draw. Uh, yep. And Mick, I know uh I'm sure you know uh at Adelaide Arena, if you tried to go glass it out, well there was no glass. It would go off the wire and right back <laughs> into the slot for a great score a grade A scoring chance. That's so, right. You get a primary assist. Right. <laughs> And then you got to walk crooked underneath the bleachers. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And don't uh, get up. Don't get up too fast in the locker room. That ceiling no, is low. Oh, right. <laughs> does, does the, uh, and, and I think you're right, Mark. I don't think this has been an issue in the past. And I think part of the reason it hasn't been an issue in the past is that the last, you know, 15 to 20 years, they've had two of the best defensive players of all time playing for them. Zidane Ochara and Patrice Bergeron. And, you know, it, it makes you wonder if um, when you talk about needs for this team, when you talk about the biggest need that this team has, and we've for the longest time thought it was a front line, you know, top six center um, with Krejci and Bergeron retiring. And and that's still, you know, it's certainly on the list. Uh, but is there a certain type of defenseman, just a, a, a nasty, big physical sort of defenseman for, uh, for those situations, uh, is that something that the Bruins need? I mean, I, Forbort fits that kind of a profile to a degree for sure. Uh, Brandon Carlo is big and strong around the net and kills a lot of plays. Uh, you've got two big, uh, you know, frontline horse defensemen in, in Hampus Lindholm and Charlie McAvoy. Uh, but but what's ya? that? I've been a big Lindholm fan since he got here, but I got to say, the more I've watched this guy this season, I feel like there's sort of a legacy to last playoff that he's punching below his weight. Well, when that's that is that's and that's my situation question. that you're talking about. Yes, this is exactly my question: is are they do they need that another defenseman, that kind of a defenseman that you can plop into those situations at the end of games in front of the net? That's not you know that that's going to clear bodies. That's going to like make sure the other team's guys are down on the ice and not you know his own guys all over the place around the net. Is is that something that as we watch this team more is becoming perhaps more of a need, Mick. Hard to say. I mean, it's like, I think that Lindholm 
that big body and the overall skill that he has, um, I think that, you know, it's the elephant in my kitchen right now from a defensive standpoint is, is he a bona fide member of a big three back there? I feel like Carlo's an excellent right shot compliment to McAvoy. And I feel like Lindholm uh, is, is your lone ranger on the left side because otherwise you have two specialty widgets. Um, you know, you have a Forbert's long stick, which is great in the PK, but in a fast five-on-five five game, he could be a bit of a turnstile. Um, you know, Grizz is just the opposite, and we've talked about him quite a bit. A uh, wonderful little hockey player. Um, and, he, he and by the way, has not been great this year either. I know there was an injury in the middle of it, but yeah, I think he's struggled quite a bit this year too when, I, when I've watched him before and after the injury. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so, I mean, he'll, we know that he's, that he's he'll show better than what we've seen. I'm yep. confident to that. He's in the prime of his career. Uh, the question is, is is that good enough when it matters? And that's what we always tend to talk about. You know, we always uh, take the whole the end season view when we discuss this stuff and play general manager. And and to me, uh, the gnawing question for me right now is: Is Lin Linholm got it in, in here to uh, get meaner? Uh, yep. and, and that's, and that involves learning technique too, because if you're a coper rather than an eliminator of guys in front of the net, if you cope with that contact rather than initiate and eliminate people in front and you're not the one standing over them, taking a chance that the ref's going to whistle you, but instead you're the guy who's getting your foot caught between two guys. And while well, you're trying to find the pocket, next thing you know, you're, you're on your ass. Right. And so, uh, to me, that's sort of what concerns me with him. Um, so there's a lot of maybes, ifs, and Mason Lowry was here, and they obviously like what they see there. But, um, you know, and Mark Mark is, uh, just wrote about him in Rinkside, Rhode Island, uh, the good, bad, and ugly, uh, taking a big hit in a game. Uh, so there's- We, we are going to get to that for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear some of this. Um, so yeah, I think that the left side is an unsettled question. They another top four guy. And yeah, would I like to see another Dimitri Orloff type presence over there? Sure. Um, I, you know, I don't want to go Radko Gudis level and have a guy who uh, had a magical run with the Panthers, but is back to being Radko Gudis. Right. And I want to see a guy who can hold up hockey wise, but be an initiator, be a tough guy. I, I want that over on that side. I think they need to get that. Yeah, and I agree. And uh, interesting, I was looking through some numbers before we jumped on, and uh, both Lindholm and McAvoy are in the top 25 in the NHL in penalty minutes, both uh, on track to go over 100 PIMS this year. Um, and Lindholm is not like a real physical defenseman. I, I feel like there's a, a component, there's definitely what you're talking about, and I think that's part of the issue is just not – stout enough around the net and not sort of mean enough around the net and needs to develop a little bit more of that, especially in these situations at the end of games where it's just, you know, warfare. It's a melee out there. I remember Dennis Weidman used that word once to describe what it was like out there at the end of games when you're around the front of the net. And it is, it's an absolute melee and you've got to, you've got to be the aggressor instead of, you know, absorbing it. Um, but I think a lot of the penalties that he's taking are penalties because he's, you know, not skating as well as he has in the last couple of years with the Bruins either. And I think that's 
a component of it as well is and I think that's affected his overall game I just don't think he's been as good this year in any facet as he's been in the past uh a couple of years for the Bruins um what do you think Mark on the back end as it relates to uh blowing the late leads and sort of what they have uh personnel wise well as far as Lindholm goes I you know you like to you'd like to think that a guy could uh change his game uh and and be better but the point he's at in his career and his age i you know i think what you see is is what he is uh, right yeah he could be stouter around the net that you could say that about a lot of guys but i don't know if it's realistic to think that you know he's gonna change a whole lot as far yep. as that goes um as far as getting you know bringing in another body Boy, I think Radko Gudis would be would be a great addition. Maybe that's unrealistic to think that they're going to get him with the, given the money he makes and all that. But boy, he would to me. He would address a lot of needs. I, I think there's a a need for overall toughness, uh, not just on the back end, but up front too. He, he's not going to you're not going to switch him to forward. But right, they don't have a guy who the other team is nervous about when he's out there you know luch was going to fill that role obviously that's not happening yeah but uh you know if it's not goodis i don't don't know who else it would be who who you would uh you would look for uh to to bring in in that role no no nobody comes to mind i'm sure there are players out there that could fill that role in some way shape or form uh and certainly be an upgrade maybe from what they have could give them a little bit of element of that but to your point like in today's NHL, there's only a limited amount of players that have that kind of presence and have that kind of, you know, intimidation factor uh, when it comes to putting a little fear or, or awareness uh, into the other team's heads uh, before you're going to play them. And yeah, you're absolutely right. The the absence of Lucic, who they plan to have that kind of presence this year, has been significant. And it's something that they don't have um, enough of, even if, you know, Trent Frederick, uh, you know, from time to time will step up and, and play the role when he has to and, and did it recently and did a good job of that. Uh, but it seems like he's sort of uh, in between as far as being always being that guy. And to your point, at his career and where he is, he's entering sort of he is what he is uh, status. And I don't know that he's ever going to be that, you know, kind of player that other teams are going to be worried about. There's a guy uh, that comes to mind. Uh... Jacob Middleton with Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, okay. Yep. Um, and I, I often, know, uh, yeah, I, I got a pal once, Lawson Kraus here from Arizona. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Jacob Middleton, though, uh, was coming up with San Jose when uh, when Ryan Mujanel was was out there. And uh, Ryan speaks very highly of, uh, of Middleton as not only the player, but the kind of person that he is. He, he'd be a He'd be a fantastic fit. Uh, I don't think Minnesota's uh, looking to peddle him anywhere, but uh, th- that's one name that I, I think would be a, a real uh, good addition. Yeah. No, I like one four in a row to start off their new coaching tenure. Hines. So, yeah. So, yeah. And, so and they uh, want to catch these teams when they're really floundering. <laughs> right. And unfortunately, uh, you know, some of these uh, windows close. Yeah, they do. Yep. All right. Uh, we'll go r- around the horn real quick with a couple of, uh, as we hit the quarter pole with the Bruins, uh, 
a couple of sort of awards or, or recognized players at this point, uh, about a quarter of the season and a little bit more than a, a quarter of the season. And uh, Bruins MVP to this point in the season. And I would say the Bruins goaltenders and goaltending in general. Uh, but Jeremy Swayman individually, I think, has really stepped up uh, to a different level this year. Uh, pitched a shutout in that San Jose game. Obviously, it was a really well-played defensive game, but um, I thought it was a great move by uh, Jim Montgomery to go right back to him when he had pulled him the previous game in Columbus. He responded with a good game. Uh, I think on balance, he's been better than Linus Elmark uh, when he's played this season and is continuing to sort of pull for more playing time and a bigger role uh, within that goaltending duo, but that that would I would give MVP honors to Swayman at this point. Mark, you're a Bruins MVP uh, uh, at this point in the season. I would agree with Sw- uh, Swayman. Uh, I like the way he went at Monty a little bit when he yep. got pulled. I think that's a a good sign that uh, the competitor uh, in him that uh, that he would not just sit over in the corner and sulk about. Uh, his performance and, and being pulled from the game, but he, he confronted the coach, you know, not disrespectfully, but he, he let him know, uh, you know, what he felt, what he thought. And uh, I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. Mick, your Bruins MVP at this point. Um, probably Charlie McAvoy, because if you don't have him, you're in a world of trouble. Anybody else as an individually, you just take him off the team and play this many games. I feel like the team has a reasonable opportunity to match, if not come close to what it's done. But I think if you pull him off this team, then the Bruins are in big, big trouble. If he like blew out his knee or something, then I think that that uh, that would be a massive problem. Um, I feel like they could survive other losses. That having been said, um, I'm, I'm somewhere between you guys, uh, but I do feel like uh, I'm not on the Swayman bandwagon here. I feel like both guys have had uh, good moments and not so good moments, but they've both been very good overall. Um, and uh, and I feel like, you know, right now, um, I'm not I'm – not if I try to imagine, okay, let's just say you cash in all mark and you trade for what this team needs. Do I really believe that, that, that Swayman is that guy right now? And let's go. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent there for in, in either case right now, I feel better about the tandem given how fragile this team has been defensively. I just feel like the, uh, uh, they give up so many great A's early in games that I feel like, it isn't just one guy, it's both of them. And until that settles down and they sustain the hockey we've seen these last few games for a longer stretch, I'm not I'm not ready to part with either one of these guys. And I'm not suggesting that your comments indicate that you would right now, but I but I I don't feel like it's one goalie more than the other. I feel like it's a both and uh but then I think about um, uh, you know, it's been a uh, amazing what pasta has come back and done with the opponent's attention on him every single night they're yep. giving him all their attention and he's still getting it done it's amazing to me what he's done this season despite the added attention that he's had to deal with on a regular basis he's playing nastier physically i love that 
Uh, he's growing into his role as a superstar. Um, Marcian as the leader is right up beside him in the same sort of way as the goalies. And, but for me, you know, from the, if you're looking at it from the prism of take a guy off this team and what happens to the Bruins, then McAvoy's at the top of my list. Yeah. And obviously when a team is, what are they, 17, four and three, you're going to have a number of players that are quality candidates uh, for an MVP uh, type thing, uh, given the start that they've had. And I agree with you. I think Pasternak on balance has been, uh, at least as good, if not better than last year. Certainly he is uh, the, the, the game breaker and the main guy to get things going uh, offensively. And the team really is going to struggle offensively if he goes into an extended slump at any point. And he's become a better leader as well. Um, and Marshan, we have already discussed him and what he's done this year as the captain and, and what he did over the weekend. McAvoy's an interesting one for me because like, obviously he's super important on this team. He plays a ton of roles, uh, you know, physically, I think he's one of the tone setters for this team in a big way. And, 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 you know, that, and we talked about this last week where there's been, I think a little trepidation with him being that guy recently, since that coming back from that four game uh, suspension, but he also, uh, you know, he's a minus three on the year. He was a dash for like six straight games before, during, and after uh, that losing streak. You know, he's had some tough moments this year too. I, I wouldn't say that he's been his best self um, throughout this season. I think it's been more difficult for him um, not having, you know, some of the centers and, and not having the puck possession that they're used to having, which definitely in the offensive zone definitely affects the defenseman and affects their overall game. But I, I don't know that he's been uh, the best that I've ever seen him uh, this season, but he's still been very, very good, obviously. And he's, you know, picking his spots a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm not, and I'm not touting him as very, very good as much as I am very, very important. Yes. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, I'm, and I'm not disputing what you're saying. In fact, I feel like after he hit Ekman Larson and, and had that suspension, it took him a few games to get back that mojo. He yep. really looked to me like he was playing around the game a little bit, trying yep. to feel his way back. Uh, before he started playing with that same physical confidence that we like to see from him. Uh, unsung hero to this point. And I'm going to go Charlie Coyle because, uh, you know, not only does he play a, a huge role in the penalty kill, he's become a big face-off guy for them. Uh, he's become a, a player that will take on the other team's best uh, line and play more of a checking role when it's necessary. Um, the the I think the line when he's out there with JVR and Trent Frederick has been uh you know at points the best line that the team has had and and one that Jim Montgomery can rely on they've, they've played that well together for long stretches but you look at the numbers now too um he's posting really good offensive numbers and he's been one of the offensive uh stars of this team and and uh, providers you know he's on a pace He's third on the team in points, third on the team in goals. He's on pace for over 30 goals and almost 70 points. Uh, and who knows if he's going to be able to keep this up, but he's really stepping up and providing the kind of play that you needed from somebody at the center position with Krejci and with Bergeron leaving. And he does it without a lot of fanfare, without a lot of hype and without a lot of attention thrown his way, but he's been truly an outstanding player in all facets for the Bruins uh, this season. Mark, you're an unsung hero. Well, I have two, Brandon Carlo and Pavel Zaka. Um, Carlo, you know, has been a rock back there and has been uh, nastier than uh, than he has been in the past. I, yep. I like that. And uh, Zaka, 
you know, he, he's not, he's not Patrice Bergeron, but, uh, but he's been, he's been very good uh, most nights. Uh, and I, you know, that was a question coming into the season. Could he kind of raise, raise the level of his game a little bit? Uh, and I think uh, he's answered that in the affirmative so far. Definitely. Uh, Mick, you're a, uh, you're unsung hero. Yeah, you know what? I think that the coil is a great pick. Um, to me, he's the leader without the letter, and um, and he has been for a little bit here. And this year, it really comes forward that here's a guy that if you had another aid hand out, he'd be wearing it. Um, you could argue that he should be wearing it anyway. So um, he's been terrific. Um, and and you're right. Uh, incredible how many draws he's taken and that he has the best percentage on the team. Uh, well, Beecher actually is 56% on draws, uh, but he's taken substantially fewer and he takes them in different matchups. Coyle gets the heavy lifting and yep. he's been getting it since uh, Bergeron and Krejci got older. He's been getting a lot more of that heavy lifting. And so for him to, like you said, Joe, put up 9, 11, 20 in 24 games. And to do this, given his matchups and his role, I'm amazed he only plays 17, 26 average a game. Yeah. I, I, it's hard to believe he's not, you know, scratching at 20, uh, given given your opportunity to have this monster out there, one third of a hockey game. You get two people like him, you're, you're, it's a great formula. Um, but I do like the Zaka talk too. I feel like yep. he has really shown uh, his ability to uh, run with the with the big wheels here, and I love how that guy skates. And he's had a couple of down moments this year, but I thought that he really responded well to to them. Uh, with that first blemish on the record uh, was on his stick, um, and and I thought that he played great after that. Uh, you know, some nights when the Bruins, are cl- uh, I think this is still a learning curve for him. So when Zaka doesn't look good or it looks kind of cloggy out there for him. I think that that doesn't mean that he's bad. He's figuring it out still, you know, I mean, and so, uh, you know, so he's been good. I'm, I'm really impressed with what he's done. Um, so uh, that's, that's, uh, I think Coyle's a great pick there for me. Yeah. And I agree with Zaka. I think his production is actually fairly similar to Coyle's and he's been uh, on balance, a very good player for them stepping into a, a much bigger role. And I've liked that as things have gone on, uh, he's developed a little more chemistry with with Pasternak, which at times I didn't see it as much when they were playing together. But I think you've seen instances of them, uh, you know, sort of being on the same wavelength, uh, him setting them up uh, for offensive plays and them sort of figuring each other out when they're on the ice together. So uh, that has been a positive as well. Um, and and he also, like every once in a while, he uh, Zaka will do one of those Patrice Bergeron style back checks where he just hustles back into the play and doesn't give up on it and ends up breaking up a play at the other end because he's just putting the effort in and playing, you know, the 200 feet, which I think is also necessary if you're going to be a big time center. So uh, credit to him. Uh, Bruin, Bruin most in need of improvement. And I went with Hampus Lindholm for all the reasons that we discussed before. Uh, Mick, who would your choice be? Uh, DeBrusque, uh, you know, Monty's pumping his tires every time I, I look up, but um, I feel like DeBrusque is much closer to being the flyby player of uh, of five years ago than the uh, really uh, play through the game 
and go right through that minefield guy that he was a year ago. And, um, and I'm, you know, sometimes he plays good games. Sometimes he does something amazing out there and it gets my hopes up for him. All the pucks will start going in. And then I see some games from him that I just feel like, man, I just, I just don't, I don't know if it's in his head because it's a contract year and he's not signed and what Bruin has ever come back when he's been UFA his whole final season. You know, does that ever happen if you're not in a year to year thing like Chara or Bergeron? Um, You know, so, uh, you know, so for me, I'm looking at him and I can't get my eyes off him when it comes to this. I can imagine settling into what Lindholm is, as Mark says, you are what you are at your age, you're 30 years old. If that's, is that's what he is, that's fine. But give me a guy on the other pairing who can be more in that Gudis mall, you know, more of that Truba guy. You're not going to get that guy, but you can get somebody who subtly brings more of that. And I'm okay with Lindholm. If there's somebody on the left shot side, who's, who's going to play monster minutes, is going to take any matchup, but plays with more physicality then I can deal with Lindholm. Similar to St. Louis, when I think about Petrangelo, Pareko, and Bollmeister, maybe Lindholm is Bollmeister, you know? And if that's yeah. the case, fine. But you got to have somebody else. He can't be the only one over there. Um, so, I'm, so I'm not down on him as much as I wish there was something more there and whether or not this is the right way for the Bruins to try to build out a, a champion. Um, you know, that, that said, um, I got to uh, say that... Uh, I'm not settled on the DeBrus thing. I just feel like he's the guy that I'm waiting for. Uh, Mark, uh, most Bruin most need of improvement at the quarter pole of the season. Yeah, I, I'd have to go with DeBrusque. Um And, he, you know, he's, an, he's another guy that, you know, consistency throughout yeah. his career in Boston. It yep. hasn't been there. Nope. Which, like Lindholm, makes me think that okay this is this is who he is this is the guy that he is he uh he goes long stretches without goals and you wonder you know when is he gonna uh when is he gonna bust out uh and you contrast that with who he is in the playoffs which in the past he's been he's been real good in the playoffs so uh i don't know he's i i guess the question I would ask, and I'm sure they're debating this in the in the front office, is how much do you invest in that guy? Right, right. Or Are do you, you say, okay, yeah, he's a good player, but if we traded him for this other guy, maybe we'll be better off in the long run. And you know, without a a streaky, uh, you know, a gifted offensive player in, at, at times, but not all the time. Uh, so maybe. Uh, you know, I'm like I said, I'm sure they're debating that, but uh you know, the guy that you see not scoring for long stretches, I, I think that's uh that's who Jake is. So I don't know. He's playing like he has some sort of injury that nobody knows about that's gonna require an off season surgery and nobody doesn't want to talk about it because you know, if he does it's gonna screw everything up for him. See, you know, the, so the only problem that's, I have... that's what I feel like I'm watching. The only problem I have with all of that is just what he showed last year was something different than that. I thought he was much more consistent last year. I thought he was much more productive. He would have been a 30 goal scorer if he didn't get hurt uh, in the winter classic scoring two Winning goals the game. On, a, on a broken <laughs> leg. Like he showed it last year. And, and to your point, Mark, he's shown it in the playoffs at times as well. So, you know, what's in there. 
and you know it can be tapped into uh you know and that would be the only pause i would have if i were the bruins and, and bruins management um with also knowing if you do move him you better have somebody that can provide that kind of dynamic you know offensive scoring ability uh and have that upside that you're bringing back given the current state of what they have among their forward group and that's i think what makes it difficult for them i've almost felt at times and wondered if this turns into a Tory Krug situation where they're in a position where they kind of have to ride it out for the year with him, even if they know that they're not going to want a lot, you know, uh, invest a big term and lots of money into him in a contract extension at the end of the year. And they might have to just like, you know, say, see you later when the season's over. Um, but it all depends obviously on what kind of value they can get back for him for sure. And I think he's been a little better lately. Um, you know, he went through a long stretch at the start of the year where he was not noticeable at all and not even getting camp chances. Was, his, his camp was just invisible. Yeah. Just and and I, I think he started to, you know, generate a little bit more and be a little bit more like he was last year. And I do also wonder if the contract thing plays into some of this and it, it's on his mind too much and it's something that's, you know, impacting his play. But I also think there's just, you know, he's a streaky player. And there's a limit to how much he's going to be able to impact the game when he's not putting the puck in the net. And he's always going to be that kind of guy. Um, and it just, you know, I like, you know, what's going to happen, Joe, if they trade him, right. He's going to go to that other team and go, go lights out. And, and the of Bruins going to look bad for about a month. But, but I always laugh when, when we talk about DeBrusque, especially in these kind of uh, circumstances or contexts, because I hear more from more hockey coaches that <laughs> he absolutely infuriates them with the way he plays. Like they just, you know, your your uh, old school hockey coaches out there, high school, college, like whatever. I hear more about DeBrusque for, than any other player on the Bruins when they, you know, they they're frustrated about what they're watching. He's just that kind of player, I think. Well, if you want to be Bobby Ryan and play around the game and sneak up on it and have 10 seconds of impact, but make it be something that changes the outcome of the game, you got to be Bobby Ryan. Um, I think Jake DeBrus showed us last fall that he's better if he goes more Bergeron style, plays through the game, is part of the game, in the game, struggling with the game, and and, and deals and, and goes straight through the gates of hell to get where he wants to go. And uh, th that's the guy that I want to watch. And, and, uh, it's hard to be that guy. So I don't know what's going on, but, but, uh, but I, right now, I don't find him settling, settling into the, he's not finding that yet. I'm not seeing it. No, we do have factor meals, uh, to help us out. America's number one, ready to eat meal kit. When it does get busy, when it does get crazy, when we do need a, a quick meal, uh, they fuel you up fast with flavorful and nutritious, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Takes less than two minutes to cook them. They're fresh, never frozen. Meals ready in two minutes, like I said. Uh, they have calorie-conscious options going upscale with some of the things they're offering now, like surf and turf, surf and surf meal options, roasted garlic filet mignon and shrimp and Cajun spiced shrimp and salmon, which is like right in my wheelhouse. This is the kind of stuff I'm all about. So it's got everything for everybody. Uh, there's 34 plus chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options for meals. Uh, you can get snacks, you can get breakfast items. Like it's 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 a great deal. Um, so if you want to get Factor Meals, uh, go to factormeals.com/hags50 and use the code hags50 to get 50% off of your fir first box. It's a great deal. 
you know, I, I've tried it. It's fantastic. I recommend it to you. We love these ready to, to make meal kits, especially when we're, we're on the go with our kids. So one more time, that's factormeals.com slash hags50 to get 50% off your first box. You won't be sorry if you go to Factor Meals. It gets the hags thumbs up seal of approval. Um, all right, let's move on to Providence. Uh, Marks uh, knows more about the Providence Bruins, watches more Providence Bruins games, goes to more Providence Bruins practices, is around the team more than anybody else uh, in the media, I think. Um, your thoughts on Providence as of late, Mark, uh, and how Mason Lowry has been since he came back uh, from Boston? Well, the team has been very good lately. They've won five in a row. They got off to a slow start uh, for a variety of reasons. A lot of new faces, uh, you know, guys, uh, guys settling into new a, a new city and and a new uh, group of teammates. But they've uh, they played very well uh, over the last two weekends. I think they figured a lot of things out about how they need to play to win. Uh, as far as Mason Lori goes, you know, he's been pretty average since he came down. Uh, you know, and I don't think that's all that surprising. At least it isn't to me. I You don't see guys grow by leaps and bounds in the American League. At least I don't. Yeah. They get better gradually uh, a lot of times. And, you know, I think uh, Ryan Mujanel, the coach, alluded to this, uh, I don't know, last week that when you get sent down, you know, it's a – you you can say all the right things about how you're going to do your best and you're going to, you know, embrace it. But uh, in reality, it's a, it's a, it's a blow to anyone's ego to be, uh, to be sent down. Uh, and, you know, I don't think Mason lacks for confidence. That's for sure. You can see that in his game. He'll, he'll try anything. Uh, yep. But uh, he's been pretty average um, and still doing, you know, the other day he carried the puck into four four guys lined up in front of him at the opposing blue line. You know, that's not gonna fly. Yeah. <laughs> not in the American League, certainly anywhere. Yeah. And you know, he, and so he does that, and here comes a three on one the other way, because he's way up there caught. And uh they didn't score, but I mean there's there's plays like that that you see, uh, you know once a game maybe near the end of the game they had a one goal lead and they were really scrapping to try and preserve the lead he carries the puck up and instead of dumping it in behind the opposing team's d and letting his forwards go forecheck he again he he tried to uh he tried to make a little play at the blue line and and got broken up and you know that game situation awareness yeah you know, I think Monty commented on that more than once, that that's one of the things that a guy like Mason has to learn. Uh, and I have no doubt that he will learn that and, and that he'll he'll be fine, uh, you know, down the road. But he, he's not uh, he's not there yet. Uh, and, you know, he's been uh, he's been pretty average in, in his first few games back in Providence. And I don't think that's surprising or alarming. No. or anything like that he he's going to be fine no and the hl the hl is the right place to learn 
the game situations, the time and place to be trying yeah. to make plays at the blue line, you know, keeping it simple at certain points and dumping it and all that stuff, like I think is the right, you know, that's why he needed to go back there this year. And I, I don't think there was ever any danger of him sticking around uh, after you got an extended look at him in Boston. You know, I think the right move was always to get him back down there and, and let him learn those things. Uh, Mick. Uh, I hope he's not saying? doing it because he treats the league with contempt because he's upset that he's there again. You yeah. know, I because mean? it looked pretty good for a little while while he was here before the, you know, the bottom fell out on the team and, and he, and he was uh, needing to go back himself. But I'm I'm curious, Mark, about I really thought that Merkelov had a shot at making the Bruins, and um, and I and McLaughlin was one of the last guys cut. Uh, so um, and then I look at their seasons, and they're very underwhelming from a statistical standpoint. What are you seeing from? I'm just curious if you make a quick hit on both of those guys. Well, Merkelov, he doesn't have the numbers that he had last year, but his two way game has grown by leaps and bounds uh, from last year. Uh, recently, especially, I mean, it, you just notice plays that he makes, back checks, uh, plays along the wall in the defensive zone that a year ago you wouldn't have seen from him. Uh, he's he's embraced that part of the game, or, you know, and not without <laughs> not without uh, – you know, maybe complaining to the coaching staff that uh, his numbers aren't such that he's going to get a get a call. Uh, I think he he's very aware of that of where his numbers are this year compared to last year. But you know, his it's his two way game that's either going to get him there or not. And you know, playing one way, Jim Montgomery's not not looking for that if and when he goes up. He's got to be a a responsible player all over the ice. Uh, and if he does that, I think the offensive part will come because he's such a smart offensive player. Uh, so I, the numbers don't reflect it, but I think he's been very good, uh, you know, to this point. How are they using him? He's a left wing and who's he playing with? No, he's a center. He's a center. So he is playing center. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yep. He hasn't played much left you know, left wing at all in Providence, either last year or this year. This year, I don't think he's, he's him played a little it bit at all. With, um, who was the guy that they trained, who they let go uh, last year was playing with him? High scorer. Uh, uh, Vinny Letary? Yeah. Were they not sort of interchangeable and moving around at one point? Well, on the power play, they were deadly. Both of them together on the power play were were uh were really good but yeah. uh no Vinny played right wing at times with with Merck but Vinny went back and forth between center and and uh, and right wing uh, okay. not always with Merck okay now uh, Mark McLaughlin you know his offensive game is has withered I would say this year uh the chances he's not he's not taking advantage of his chances uh he so that's a concern but boy he does all the other things he, he you know as far as being responsible defensively and on the forecheck playing hard finishing his checks he does all the things that 
you know, those of us who've watched him for a long time in college and, and on into the pros, uh, the thing you love about him is, is, is that part that he plays so hard and responsibly, uh, you know, I wouldn't, uh, he could certainly come up and play on the fourth line as a center or right wing and, and would fit right in. Uh, mm -hmm. But the offensive part has not come easily for him this year at all. How how impressive is uh, Farinacci been? His numbers obviously seem to be very good. He is a very subtle player. Uh, you know, you really got to pay attention, I think, to appreciate the things that he does the little plays that he makes, the smart uh, decisions that he makes. Uh, you know, Ryan Mujanel likes to joke that, you know, obviously he's a smart player because he went to Harvard, but <laughs> there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, yeah. You know, he's just a cerebral player that uh, does little things that, uh, that add up to wins. Uh, you know, I think they, they got a real good, uh, a, a nice prospect there uh you know i think he's looking at probably a, a a full year in the american league and then see where he's at you know in training camp next year and uh your favorite player in mine uh mark fabian lysel i know he's been hurt the last <laughs> couple of games just yeah. <laughs> i think i mean i think he's you know just seeing your tweets and your observations that he had picked up his game you know, from a slow start at the beginning of the year, but now he's been out the last few games. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to say about this guy. Uh, yeah. He picked, he started slow. He got benched one, uh, one afternoon along with Merkeloff, Uh And he responded, uh, you know, with, uh, with some good play. Uh, and, you know, the thing about him is when he plays well, you know, my first question is what took you so long? What, you know, what, what have you been doing? That's uh, that's been holding you back from this. Why, why can't we see this? Uh, you know, why aren't you banging on the door to, to get a look in Boston? Mm. He's not doing that. Uh, and now he's got some injury. I don't know. I saw him. They said, <laughs> They kind of intimated that, oh, that wasn't a bag skate. Well, I know what a bag skate is when I see one. <laughs> they they had him on the ice doing, you know, all kinds of skating things. And, you know, he didn't play in he didn't play Friday, he didn't play Saturday, he didn't play Sunday. He skated hard every one of those days. Oh. Now, Evan Gold tells me it's an upper body injury, and you know, I'll take him at his word. Okay, mm -hmm. they're not holding this guy out if there's not an injury, if there's not something. But uh, to see him skate that way and and you know in practice, and yet he still is not playing in the games. I I, I don't know. That's uh, I got to question that. Um, is it a you know I've heard kind of rumblings that you know oh maybe it's his wrist or <laughs> some kind of upper body thing. I mean I don't know. It's the you've seen a lot of ducks over your life, and this one looks like a duck and walks like a duck. <laughs> it's it's a well, mystery inside an enigma wrapped up in a question mark. Well, you, you know, whenever the wrist thing, it, <laughs> the first thing I thought of was, well, I remember when uh, many, many years ago, somebody was injured 
I asked Bruce Cassidy about it. Is it an upper body injury or is it a lower body injury? And he said, he looked at me and he said, well, Mark, it depends on whether he's waving goodbye or, or wiping his butt. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what, he, what he meant was, you know, that's, that's classic butch, right? Yeah. Uh, but so it, is it a wrist injury? Is it his hand? I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but you know, I go to practice yesterday and he is flying. He's absolutely flying around the ice in practice. You know, I want to see that in a game, in a stretch of games, not yeah. two or three or four or five good games where he puts up some numbers. I want to see that for like 20 straight games. And I don't know if I'm ever going to see that. <laughs> uh, anything else, uh, Mark, in Providence uh, worth noting, remarking about? Any observations or things that you've seen that uh, you think should uh, Bruins fans should know about? Well, Brandon Bussey, I don't think it's any secret what a terrific prospect he is. Um, yeah. You know, he's been a little little banged up, a little sore uh, recently. But, boy, the, the kid just competes, competes his butt off. And it, it's uh, – it's really something to see a guy who just won't give up on any puck or on any shot. Uh, you know, his numbers aren't as good this year because the team hasn't been as good in front of him to this point, yeah. but uh, they Boston has a, has a good one in him. Uh, they're going to have, at some point they're going to have to decide, you know, what do you do with them? Now that decision is not imminent. It doesn't have to be. Right. It, uh, it could be a year away. Who knows? But at some point, you know, he's uh, he's going to be a factor, I think, in Boston. He's uh, a late bloomer. Now, is he UFA at the end of this year? I don't think so. I think he's restricted. OK, because yeah. he because he's a he's a bit of a late bloomer is a tall left stick for people who haven't seen him play um, a little Dryden-esque and uh, and uh Second best statistical uh, season last year to Wolf, who played for the Calgary Flames last night. So, um, you know, that means so Bussy is now, um, you know, if not happened statistically, then it's great to hear a report that he's playing just as well. No, well, he's he steals games. He steals games. That's uh, that's the impact he has. Uh, they got outshot a couple of weeks ago, forty. I don't know, forty three to whatever and he stopped uh 42 of them and they won in overtime uh on a lysel goal <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh maybe that's know, where he, he suffered the mystery injury celebrating after scoring <laughs> that goal mark <laughs> i can't say enough about bussy not only the player but uh but the person he's a he's a really uh he's a really good kid who understands i think uh you know what's going on here as he tries to climb his way uh, to the NHL. Uh, I was really impressed with him last year when I went to a game and he was a healthy scratch sitting with about a half a dozen guys in the corner and Kaiser had to start and Kincaid was the backup and Bussy was so dialed into Kaiser's game that every little technique thing that happened out of the corner or whatever, he was like, you know, he was on it and he was so behind him and in his corner and I told this to Mujanel when I thank you for setting us up to meet um, that uh, in Jordan Kahn, obviously. But uh, he said, that's him. Yeah. He roots for his, he roots for the other goalie. And yep. 
I had a goalie tell me uh, 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 that uh, this was a while back, maybe before it became so such a thing now, the, the goalie hug at the end of the Bruins games. He told me I I never rooted for my partner. I I always <laughs> I always rooted against him. I didn't want him to succeed. I didn't want him to do well. You know, <laughs> I wanted to be the guy. So you know, rooting for your teammate when you're when you're the goalie and you're not playing that night that's uh that's not something to be taken for granted. Not everybody does it. He's no. not necessarily an outlier because if you read Ken Dryden's book, The Game, you take a guy as legendary as Ken Dryden and the success he had in his short career. And he actually is talking about his final season and writing this book and his longtime backup there. Um, you know, uh, he's he took so many practice shots before storming off the ice just to kind of reinforce uh to to um why am i mind blocking on him um uh that that he's still the guy it's still my net you know and it's like wow i never would have guessed that that would be the the dynamic yeah. there but terry is that deep in his career and he's still doing that yeah it, it, yeah. it speaks to bussy that you know for a young player like him at the ahl level knowing what's in front of him at the nhl level on in that organization on that team that there's no discouragement, there's no whatever, there's, you know, he just continues to, you know, play hard, steal games, do what he needs to do, uh, and have his stock rise. You know, you see a lot of players at the AHL level when they see that the inn is full at the NHL level, and it's going to be really, it's going to take something, you know, unforeseen and something uh, way out of the ordinary for them to get a shot in the short term, uh, to just not get distracted or discouraged by that. And I, I think that, says something about him and that's definitely a credit to him um yeah. and it's an embarrassment of riches the Bruins have at the goaltending department that's very clear by having all three of those guys right now and that's you know why we all think at some point probably in the summertime something's going to be done uh to address that situation one way or the other because I think they just have to uh anyway New England Hockey Journal's Mark uh, Mark Diver uh Mick Collagio thank you very much for joining us on the Pucks with Hags podcast uh as always thank you to our sponsors FanDuel Sportsbook get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins download the app it's easy to use spreads player props over under so much more visit FanDuel.com slash Boston uh, and get things going right now uh, and also thank you to Factor Meals America's number one ready to eat meal kit calorie conscious options uh, dietitian approved delicious smart meals with around or less than 550 calories ready in two minutes uh, delicious meals uh, just pop them in the microwave they're good to go head to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use code hags50 to get 50 percent off your first box mick mark thank you very much good to see you guys bunny larock <laughs> <laughs> until next time all Take right it easy, thanks guys. Joe. uh thanks to everybody else out there for listening we'll see you at the ring.